This is episode number 293 with New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Mark Hyman. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Thomas Jefferson said, if the body be feeble, the mind will not be strong. I am super pumped you guys are here for this special episode with Dr. Mark Hyman. For those that don't know him, he is the director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, the Prixer Foundation Chair in Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic, chairman of the Institute for Functional Medicine and founder of the Ultra Wellness Center. He's also the number one best-selling author of 12 books and just came out with a new one called Eat Fat Get Thin. And everything has to do with our health. You know, people w- would spend millions, billions of dollars. The richest people in the world would spend all of their money to cure their health if they had cancer and they had a few months left to live. Everything evolves around how we feel, our mind, our health, everything inside of us. Everything evolves around our health. And today we've got one of the leading authorities, experts, minds in this space, Dr. Mark Hyman, who is, in my opinion, one of the most credible people to talk about health and food and how food is medicine. And some of the things we're going to be covering are what is the best first step to heal yourself if you do have a health issue, how we got it backwards on the role of fat in our diets. The key to changing your hormones so that you're not hungry all the time. What the U.S. government just changed in their food recommendations, which is opposite of what they used to say. Why Dr. Mark Hyman says we must stop supporting factory farms and so much more. He dives into a lot of great statistics, research, data to talk about how to live a healthy, happy life. I'm super excited about this one. Make sure to share this with your friends. Check out the full show notes and the full video interview back at lewishouse.com slash 293. Share it with your friends all over the place. This is a powerful one that everyone needs to listen to. And without further ado, let's dive into this with the one, the only Dr. Mark Hyman. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. I'm very excited about our guest today. His name is Dr. Mark Hyman. Thank you so much for being here. So glad to be here, Lewis. Really excited about this. Now, you are are one of the most influential, authoritative leaders in the doctor space that I've been, you know, heard about. And you've been around for a long time. A number of New York Times bestsellers, a number of number one New York Times bestsellers. What are you on, number 12 now? 12 books, nine New York Times bestsellers. The cookbooks didn't make it, and the last one, the 12th, is just coming out. So the 12th is coming fingers. out, <laughs> and it's called Eat Fat, Get Thin, Why the Fat We Eat is the Key to Sustained Weight Loss and Vibrant Health. And essentially what you're saying is completely opposite of what we've been all told our whole lives, right? Why fat is the key to sustain weight loss? Yeah, who and would a good have thunk, health? Who would have thunk it? Right? Aren't we not supposed <laughs> to have fat in our diet? Isn't it bad for us? Doesn't yeah. it create heart disease and high cholesterol and all these other things that yeah. are bad for us? Or is it actually? That's what we were all taught, right? That's the whole line. Our government 
told us to eat six to eleven servings of red rice cereal and pasta today to eat a low fat diet, oh. and fats and oils were sparingly only at the top supposed to be eaten. And yet that advice led to the worst obesity epidemic and diabetes epidemic in the history of mankind. That's like the, the food charts that we were all saw in it's school, completely right? Completely opposite of what we should be doing. Now, and how- and so the science has caught up with uh, this bad advice. And mm. the advice, unfortunately, Lewis, was based on really shoddy science, on very weak evidence, mm. on po- a few population studies, not really experimental studies. In fact, all the experimental studies that told us to eat low-fat diets – uh, they actually didn't tell us that we should be doing that. They were actually contradicting the recommendations that were developed in 1980 mm. by the UK and the USA. Really? So basically, if you looked at the actual randomized controlled trials, that were there weren't that many, but there was a few of them. They all said that eating low fat wasn't beneficial. But the population These were outside of the U.S. trials. No trials all over trials okay. in the U.S. Okay, they just didn't look at that evidence. So the guideline committees who were working on it didn't. They sort of dismissed that evidence, mm. and they had this theory. And they went with the theory, because it made sense, right? If you if you look at calories, <laughs> for example, fat has nine calories per gram, carbs and protein have four calories per gram. So you think, well, gee, if it has more calories per gram, if you eat less of it, you're going to lose more weight. Mm. Logical, right. but unfortunately, metabolism is not a math problem. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> okay. metabolic problem. It's a hormonal <laughs> problem. It's not energy balance. The whole idea of calories and calories out. This is the biggest crock of you know what that's been pushed on the American public because there's a message implicit in that, which is uh-huh. if you just told someone to lose weight by eating less and exercising more, if they don't do it, it's their fault, mm. right? Just eat less, exercise more. And if you don't, you're a lazy glutton, right? Right. So it's your fault you're fat, okay? right? But the truth is that it's not. It's not just about calorie balance. In fact, that's what the, uh, the global energy balance, quote, global energy balance network uh, which was actually funded by Coca-Cola, mm. and they, they actually actually funded university scientists to, to kind of be the front people for this nonsense that's wow. all about calories in, calories out, has been completely discredited. The, the New York Times wrote a, a big expose of this, but what we've been taught is that all calories are the same. They're actually not. So food is not just energy. It's actually information. It gives what instructions, right? So this is like a big breakthrough in science, right? Uh-huh. So food is not just calories, it's actually information. So the information in food communicates with your body every single minute. Mm. So every bite you take, it turns on or off genes that create health or disease that make you lose or gain weight. Mm. It turns on or off hormones that make you lose or gain weight or create health or disease. It, it's like a feedback for you. It, it's direct instructions and it, and it works minute by minute. It's not something that takes a long time. It regulates inflammation. It regulates your hormones, as I said. It regulates your brain chemistry, it regulates even your gut microbiome, all the flora in your gut that we now know are linked to everything from weight gain, diabetes, to heart disease, to cancer, to autoimmune diseases, and so many other things. It's the gut e- health, right? Even depression and ADD and autism may be linked to changes in your gut flora. So we now know that when you eat food, it's not just about the energy in it. Because if that was true, then you could just survive on soda all day, and it wouldn't matter as long as you only eat 1,800 calories of soda. And I had this argument. <laughs> right, right, right. I had this argument with the vice chairman of Pepsi. We had dinner together. And I'm no telling you. No way. Yeah, we had dinner. <laughs> and the guy in between us, because I was in here, he was sitting here. The guy was like, was like being in the middle of like a war zone. And I said to him, how can you say that? How can you say that eating 1,800 calories of soda is the same as having 1,800 calories of broccoli or almonds? Right. He says, well, as long as you 
have that amount of calories, you're not going to, wow. it's not going to be any different. I said, this is just not how the body works. You're not works. getting the nutritional value from that, right? Right. I mean, when you, well, it's not even nutritional. So just, just like look at a thousand calories, let's say uh, 750 calories of broccoli is, wow. is 21 cups, 35 grams of fiber, half a teaspoon of sugar, wow. and uh, tons of phytonutrients, phytochemicals that upregulate uh, your genes that, that actually help you prevent cancer, that mm-hmm. improve hormone metabolism, so many things, right? Same calories from a big gulp, 750 calories, <laughs> 46 teaspoons of sugar, oh. right? High fructose corn syrup upregulates your liver to turn on a fat production factory that makes high triglycerides. Stores fat more, right? Stores fat, lowers triglycerides. Mm-hmm. I mean, low, raises triglycerides, lowers the good cholesterol, causes a fatty liver, raises hormones oh, that, that make you... Um, in women, make them grow hair on their face and have lost hair on their head. Men, they drop their testosterone. They have no sex drive and they right. lose their hair on their bodies. All this from the same calories, right? The number of calories. Calories are the same, yes. but the information in the food is very different. So now we have this concept that is actually uh, really about the hormonal, called the hormonal hypothesis that I talk about in Eat Fat Get Thin, which is how do you change your hormones so you're not hungry all the time? Because what that's what, the key. The typical advice you eat low fat. And you, your your fat actually makes you satisfied, right? Because if you mm-hmm. if you eat fat, you're not craving all the time, you're not hungry, and it actually is a brain actually food mm-hmm. because it actually stops the addiction center in the brain from turning on. So you never feel hungry or have any cravings. Mm. It also speeds up your metabolism. Fat speeds up your really? metabolism. Yeah, so it helps and you burn more fat. Helps you burn time, more right? fat. It releases fat from the fat cells. Interesting, right? So it 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 makes you less hungry, it's, it makes you burn more fat, and it, and it liberates the fat from the fat cell. So it's really a powerful, whereas if you eat sugar, the opposite happens. You get hungrier because you increase insulin. You dry, when you I inc- used to have so much sugar. It's terrible. Well, like, I was it, addicted to it. All of us were. I mean, I was too. I was a vegetarian. I ate like tons of, of you know, whole wheat bread and oh. sugar and honey and everything. All of, I mean, grape nuts and ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> That's my, that was my life, right? <laughs> so when did you stop? When did the research become known or the, the facts or the data become it's known? It's not where, even. It's honest. That's because why I you're a doctor book. and no. you're eating sugar. No, no. It's not when even. Did, when did you start to realize and when did this information about fat become, you know? Well, it's been mounting for decades, right? So it's, it's building on a mountain of evidence. And yes. in the book, I reviewed over a thousand studies or 500 quoted in the book that I referenced, wow. they wouldn't let me put more because there was no room <laughs> in the back much. of the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's all well documented, and, wow. and and the science of this is very powerful. One of my colleagues, David Ludwig, wrote a book called "Always Hungry." He's a Harvard professor. He's done a lot of the research that this is based on. Where he frankly gave two groups of people same calories, okay, same calories, but changed the percents of fat and carbs. Uh-huh. And it was a very well controlled study. And in the first group. You know, they had 60% carbs, 20% fat, 20% protein. The other group switched it. 60% fat, 20% carbs, you know, 20% protein. So it's the opposite. And the group that had the high-fat diet burned 300 calories more a day Mm. by doing nothing else. Really? Just by having more fat? By eating more fat. Their their metabolism sped up 300 calories. That's like Same amount of calories, though. They ate, they ate the same calories in, but they but burned three hundred right because their metabolism sped up. Interesting, right? So in other words, it's like running an hour a day without getting off the couch. Interesting, right? Yeah. That's powerful, They're very powerful. Yeah, and I know for me, you know, as as I've seen myself and my patients, transformation is amazing, and their cholesterol gets mm-hmm. better. It's it's to- totally contradictory. Yeah, right. Fat is supposed to raise your cholesterol, mm-hmm. right? Eating cholesterol is supposed to raise your cholesterol, but for the first time since the dietary guidelines came out in nineteen eighty. 
the U.S. government in 2015 completely reversed their stance on fat. There's really? no more when restriction. Did this like uh, January, first week of January 2016. This year? This year. Like a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. They just changed this. They changed this completely. The whole guide. Completely. So really? They were, first time, they said, forget about fat. You can eat as much as you want. No, no way. No limit on fat. This is the no, government, huh? The government, the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee established Holy these recommendations. Child. This is a scientific group that establishes guidelines for the government. Helps them shape policy, and then the, the government makes the policy. They kind of they kind Based of around some, this research or this. Yeah, they, they, they said you know no worry about fat, don't worry about cholesterol. Eggs are back, right? Eggs are back. You know, forget about the egg white omelets. Just eat the whole egg. No way, completely. And they said there's they, what they, it made it made me laugh. They said uh, nutri- uh, cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern. Quote nutrient of concern. Like, well, we got it wrong for thirty five years. No way. Yeah. So it's like. It's totally different. And they, they also said that we should, for the first time, they said we should reduce sugar. Now, the, the, the policy advisors, who were the scientists, said we should limit sugar-sweetened beverages because they're proven to be linked to obesity and diabetes. But the government, because of the food lobby, changed the wording to say, no, we should be restricting added sugar. So we should eat less added sugars. Now, What's an added sugar? It doesn't say added sugar on the label. Right. So how do you know? Because the food labeling from the FDA is also influenced by the food lobby. Right. So it should say added sugar on the label, not just sugar. Mm. Right. So you don't know. Right. Interesting. So it's designed to totally confuse people. But the truth is that this is a huge advance. And now we, we actually have come to realize that this is not true. So the science around uh, fat and how your body burns fat and what makes you fat is all really clear now. And it's all based on this hormone idea of insulin, which is a fat storage hormone. Yes. So anything you eat that increases insulin, which is sugar, sugar, refined flour. I mean, white flour raises your blood sugar more than table sugar. So if you had two slices of white bread, it raises your blood sugar more than a tablespoon no of table sugar. People like, I'm eating whole wheat bread. It's just as bad. Unless the bread is so like dense that you can stand on it without it squishing, then you shouldn't eat you it. Shouldn't eat it. No, like the German Gosh, rye bread. I love bread, though. Yeah, everybody That's a loves challenge. bread. Now, the bread we eat isn't the bread we ate, right? So right. our ancestors ate very it's different. It's not bread. the hard bread. It was like, very coarse, and yeah. it, we only had the the grain mills that started in the 1800s. Before that, we couldn't eat refined grain, and and, and now even whole wheat is super refined. It's just you and, know. And are all grains bad as well, in your opinion? No, I don't think all grains are bad. I, you know, I joke. I say, you know, in the book, I talk about, you know, an induction plan, like basically a, a way to get quick start to change you from like just being storing fat to burning fat to eating fat to f- makes you thin. Uh, and that's a 21-day plan. And after that, I talk about how you transition to what I call a pegan diet. Pegan. Pegan, as opposed to paleo or vegan. It okay. was kind of a joke because one day I was sitting- <laughs> In between? Yeah, I was sitting on a panel with two friends of mine. One was a vegan cardiologist <laughs> and the other was like a paleo doctor. Sure. And I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I must be a pegan because I'm in the middle here. <laughs> and, okay. What does a pegan diet look like? So a pegan diet, you know, what's, what's amazing, um, Lewis, is that the the principles of paleo vegan are often very similar. So- both groups believe that we should be eating whole, unprocessed, unrefined foods. Yes. We should get rid of food additives, Foods hormones. from the ground. Yeah, you know. everything. Yeah. No antibiotics, no hormones, no pesticides, no GMO. We should be ha- having no MSG, no artificial sweeteners, no high fructose corn yeah. syrup. Everybody agrees that, that, that that's true. We also agree that everybody should be eating lots of fruits and vegetables. Yes. Right? A little heavy on the plant foods. Yep. Basic principles. Both agree that we shouldn't have dairy. 
which is interesting. Yes. Right? We'll talk about and that. paleo, no dairy as well, No right? dairy, right. Yeah. No dairy. No I guess beef. there's some of them that say like some specific cheeses or something. Yeah, or... you know, grass-fed butter. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's some things, yeah, but, you know, yeah. but it's but the, the proteins in dairy are very inflammatory. <laughs> and the dairy, again, we eat isn't the dairy we ate. We've hybridized our cows. It's all fertilized by one bull. Right. It's not organic dairy. It's, like... And it's not organic. It's not raw. It's not how Pump our ancestors ate it. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Even organic cows, they pump, uh, milk them when they're pregnant, and they're just full of hormones. So, mm, okay. and also, you know, it's it's just not always tolerated well by many people. Right. And then, um, what else do they both every, have in common? Everybody agrees that we should be uh, eating foods that that um, are phytonutrient rich, that are nutrient dense, and and we should be lots of nuts and seeds, and lots of good oils like avocados mm-hmm. and olive oil. What's what's phytonutrient? What does that mean? Phytonutrient is a is a chemical that's in plant foods. Phyto means plant, and it's not a vitamin or mineral. It's not a protein, fat, or carb, or fiber. It's something else. So, for example, like broccoli has glucosinolates, which upregulates detoxification. Okay. Catechins are in green tea, which are powerful detoxifiers of metal, powerful antioxidants. Uh, tomatoes have lycopene, mm. which is a powerful uh, cancer preventer for prostate cancer. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, anthocyanidins. You can have black rice, which has anthocyanidins, which are powerful antioxidants that are in black rice. It's emperor's rice. Love that. It's also very low glycemic. Sure. So, I think the 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 things that they they, they disagree on are basically beans, grains, and meat. Like where you get your protein from. Everything right. else is everybody the is the same. Paleo and vegan is the same, same. except for meat. Beans, and yeah, and them. protein. I mean, okay. and beans, beans, grains, and protein. Beans, grains, and protein. Okay, like, right. And I mean, you know, like uh, you know, meat. Right. And so, yeah, sure. you know, what I realize is that you know, I, I think many people who who are sick do better when you take out certain things that can be inflammatory or high glycemic. So, if you're, for example, carbohydrate intolerant and you're diabetic, which affects a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I talk about how do you find out if you're carbohydrate intolerant in the book, which is as a questionnaire you can tell if you actually know if you're someone who's carbohydrate intolerant, okay. like someone who's gluten intolerant. That means if they eat a lot of starch, if they have like two cups of rice, even if it's brown rice or two cups of beans, it can adversely affect their sugar. So I talk about like having less, like having smaller portions of beans and grains. Sure. And non-gluten grains in particular, because right. gluten can be very inflammatory for many people. Um, I think for some people who don't react to it, it can be fine, but not in large amounts. Mm-hmm. And then I think, uh, you know, meat is a big is the big issue, right? So meat sure. is the big issue. So should we be we just We were just at dinner the other night. Right. We both had meat, right? We had fish. Uh, we had fish, we had yeah. Black cod. Yes, that's which great. Was, which was awesome. I had a mahi-mahi. You had a black cod? Is that what it was? Oh, you had the, yeah, I had the black cod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had the black cod. The guy next to me had meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy next to me had carne asada. <laughs> but, you know, so so the issues around meat also, I think, are everybody agrees, and fish, everybody agrees, that if if anybody eats meat, it should be humanely raised. It should be sustainably grass raised. Fed. It should be grass-fed. It yeah. should be not harming the environment. The ethical and the environmental issues around animal eating are big and they're real. Yeah. I mean, I have many Buddhist patients. I have an, a Buddhist monk who's like an abbot who's a, you know, is a diabetic and he's never going to eat an animal. You know, sure, so sure. I, I need to help him, help him understand how to, he's never going to eat an egg, how to eat a high, hmm. higher fat protein diet, which is low glycemic. Right. So we can do that. Okay. Right. So. Um, more nuts and seeds, you know, less rice, more beans, you know, just there's, there's strategies for, for doing that. Sure. And he did great. He lost 35 pounds, reversed his diabetes. And now I have like wow. tons of bun people, you know, praying for me. <laughs> That's and, great. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the, uh, the meat thing is tricky because, uh, you know, it's also, um, 
an environmental risk if you're eating factory farmed animals. There's yeah. antibiotics in that, and there's uh, runoff from the pesticides and fertilizers that damages our water supply and rivers and lakes. There's uh, climate change that happens from the methane produced. It's more more toxic to the environment than carbon right. dioxide. There's so and there's high energy use. One fifth of all our fossil fuels are used for growing animals for human consumption. Uh, you know our water is is being used up at incredible rates for for feeding animals. There's there's basically mm-hmm. uh, I think seventy percent of all water use, and there's basically only five percent of the world's surface is is fresh water. It's usable. Right it's now, fresh right. water. Yeah, yeah. Right, one percent is in Russia, <laughs> wow, and at least four percent for the rest of us, and and seventy percent of that is being used for feeding animals for human consumption. So there's real huh. environmental issues. Sure. So I think uh, you know, a factory farming just should be not supported in any way, and we need to change that. And that yeah. means we need to to change our patterns of consumption around meat. We need to downsize our meat consumption. I call it having condom meat. Condiment. Condiment. As opposed to con- like a condiment. Uh-huh. Like condiment. You know, it okay. should be a, a side dish or a dressing if you're going to sure, eat it. Sure. And I think. Um, Not a full plate of steak, you mean? You know, I think <laughs> th- there's there's three issues with, with meat, right? There's environmental issues, there's moral issues, mm-hmm. and there's health issues. So we kind of talked about the moral. I think that's yeah. people are entitled to their beliefs and they should be able to follow whatever they want and be healthy. The environmental issues are real, mm-hmm. and I think everybody would agree, whether they're paleo-vegan, that we need to stop harming the environment. And I think even if you're not paleo-vegan, everybody really releases, believes that. In fact, the Dietary Advisory Committee that was advising the government said we should limit meat consumption because of the environmental impact. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you every, if you if you have grass-fed meat, if you have sustainably raised meat, you can't. There's, it's not. As as abundant, you can't produce as much, and so we yeah. all have to eat less of it. Right, and it's more expensive. So, exactly. but that's okay. And I think that that from a health point of view, when I really looked at the literature, and I did this in, in Eat Fat Get Thin, I looked at all the research that I could find on meat because I was I'm like, well, I don't know. You want to know for yourself too? Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm recommending to my patients. I'm you know a human too, and I yeah, want to yeah. live a long time, yeah, exactly. and I don't want to be doing something stupid. Yeah. So I wanted to find out what what does the science tell us about meat. So you did all the research. So I looked at all the research, and I wrote 8,000 words in the book on meat. Wow. There's a lot of research in there. And I address all these issues, you know, environmental, moral. And the health issues were quite interesting. You know, when we look at the studies on meat, and anybody can quote anything saying anything, right? Right. So you want the paleo people, like, meat's healthy. Here's all the research. And the vegan people, like, meat's going to kill you. Here's all the research. So it's like, and then you're at the average Joe, you're totally confused. And your average doctor, you're totally confused because we get no training in nutrition. And they haven't done the research themselves. No. So they're going off of their opinion or their theory. Yeah. They're, they're like average people like the rest of us in terms of nutrition science. They don't know because it's not what we learn, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just am at Cleveland Clinic, and we implemented a nutrition curriculum for the first time in the medical school. They have this wow. integrated in, which is so great. And That's awesome. I, I helped Tim Ryan, who's a congressman from Ohio, Tim. introduce yeah, Tim. He loves Tim. He's yeah, great. Yeah. Has he been on the show? He's, he's been on here, yeah. He's great. You know, introduce a bill called the Enrich Act. Which was a bill that is funding $15 million to fund nutrition in medical schools, nutrition education for doctors. That's what we need the most because doctors, a lot of the time, I feel like could heal a lot of their patients through food. food. Oh, my God. Well, food is the cause of most chronic disease. It's the cure for most chronic disease, and yet doctors know nothing about food. And they just medicate a lot of the time. I mean, listen, it's so bad. I mean, I use food as medicine. That's what I – food is the 
most powerful drug yeah. on the planet. I mean, that's why last week I was in Cleveland at the hospital teaching 300 black women how to cook in a cooking class. Go. Like, that's what doctors should be doing because yeah. that's how I'm going to get people That's healthy. real medicine, That's right? real medicine. Now, right. just, just a quick side note. Yeah. What is your involvement with – what is functional medicine and what is your involvement at the Cleveland Clinic? Can I, can I finish my meat? Yes, go ahead. Yes, I, was yes, still, yes. I was still rolling on the meat. Go and then we'll it. talk about functional medicine and then we'll yes. talk about Cleveland Clinic. Perfect, perfect. Because people want to know. Like, they're like, yeah. well, what about meat? They're like probably listening. Like, yeah, let's do, it. So, let's do it. So the science um, – Thousand words. Eight, I'm not going to give you a thousand, words, <laughs> but I'll give you. A, I'll give you a few hundred. Perfect. So, so the science of meat uh, was fascinating. So when I looked at the studies that showed it was harmful, here's what here's what they were. They were mostly population studies, meaning they looked at groups of people, followed them, and then they asked questions of them. What did you eat last year? What did you eat last week? What did you eat last you know month? You know, and they basically do these food frequency questionnaires, and then they correlate that with the risk of disease. And I try to control for all the confounding factors, but it's very tough. So the people who ate meat. Yeah, they had more heart disease mm-hmm. and more cancer and mm-hmm. more death. But what else was they were smoking, they were yeah, drinking, exactly. they were so, sleeping, right, exactly. they were stressed so, out. So if you look at the data, they 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 ate eight hundred more calories a day. Yeah. They almost eat no fruits and vegetables. Tons of sugar. They had tons of sugar and processed food, lots of fried foods, drank more, smoked more, didn't exercise and didn't take any vitamins and minerals. Well, guess what? They're they weren't as healthy <laughs> as the other people. So what, most of the studies were like that. Now, there was a few studies that were interesting I found. One was a study of 11,000 people who shopped at health food stores. And they found there were like a lot of vegetarians and a lot of meat eaters. Mm-hmm. Like, so who are the people who are you know, like healthy meat eaters who only eat grass-fed meat or who – because most of these studies were not on grass-fed meat either. They were on yeah. factory farm meat, right? So, so then again, how do you generalize that? Sure. But then there were these 11,000 people and they followed them for many years and they found that the meat eaters and the – vegetarians, there was no difference in their health outcomes. Mm. Exactly the same. So if you're a meat eater who basically eats a healthy diet and has grass-fed meat versus a vegan or vegetarian, no difference and in you health you have a healthy outcomes. lifestyle. Healthy lifestyle, then there's no difference. So there's other factors like how it affects your gut flora and so on. And I think, you know, those are more complicated issues. I address all of them in the book. But at yeah. the end of the day, I think it's okay if you have no moral issues and you can eat sustainably raised meat and not in great quantities and it is part of your diet. I think it's okay. Yeah. Bottom okay. line. So what does your daily diet look like? Oh, God. doctor himself. So today I had, uh, I was, uh, uh, I had a, I had a protein shake because I went to this friend of mine's uh, company called Essential Foods, Living Foods, and he had this, uh, it was like a hemp, uh, coconut, <laughs> chia, moringa, like, coconut cream like protein mm, powder amazing. with lots of yeah and i had a couple of that uh with a spoon of coconut butter for fat mm-hmm. and almond butter for fat and uh and blended that up that was my breakfast and then lunch was um and a big salad with lots of avocado olive mm-hmm. oil and some wild salmon which has fat so that was and dinner i haven't had yet so yeah, cool. awesome <laughs> and dinner i'll usually have you know a small piece of protein and like i'll I, i'll put 75% of my vegetable plate is vegetables. Really? So if I go out to eat, I'll order like three sides of vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. And and if if you look at your plate, you know, by by volume, 70 or 80% of your diet should be plant foods mm-hmm. and non-starchy veggies, right? Not potatoes and Right. And right, and by and by um calories, it should be like 50 to 60% fat. Because, but fat doesn't take up a lot of space, so you can get a lot of calories and a little space and still eat, like if you put a lot of olive oil in your thing or sure, eat coconut sure. butter. So you don't have to worry about it. You just have to eat. And, that, you know, the, the trick is I don't worry about how much I eat. I just worry about what I eat. Mm-hmm. And I make sure I have stuff. Like I, I know that I'm going to be 
like here, and I know how long it's going to be. So I always bring stuff Ooh. in my it's pocket. Almond butter. Almond butter. Oh, so I just have nice. a pocket. I know I'm never going to be in a food emergency, so sure. I'm not, not going to have to eat something crappy. And I, 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 I think, you know, I eat very little grains, very little beans. I do eat them. Yeah. I eat mostly vegetables and some low glycemic fruit, and I eat lots of nuts and seeds, and I eat you know, good quality fish and, 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 and animal protein. What's low glycemic fruit? What does that include? So I'm not eating like tons of pineapple and grapes and, you know, like those are sugary things. Gotcha. And I eat like berries and, and I eat, you know, um, lot, mostly berries. And then okay. like I'll eat like an apples or pears sometimes okay, or kiwis cool. or grapefruit or mangoes or papaya, things like that. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to functional medicine. Yeah, yeah. What does that actually mean? So functional medicine is, is compared to regular medicine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my, I don't know if people listening really have a great understanding of sure. like what's happening right now in science, but uh-huh. it's profound that the shift that's happening in our understanding of the body is it's like Columbus going, "Hey, the Earth isn't flat." Wow. And right uh, now, the last right, few years, it's just like the last decade or two. Okay. With our understanding of the human genome, of systems biology, of the body as a biological network, mm-hmm. as a system, it's like an ecosystem where everything's connected, working together, and so. The way we organize medicine is according to these organs. You know, you've got your cardiovascular system, your neurologic system, your GI system, your, you know, and so you go to all these specialists, right? right? And, and, and everybody treats their part of your body. If you have a migraine, we're actually learning that it might be related to gut flora. But, wow. Or if you have heart attack. I mean, now we know that you're, you might be getting cancer because of your gut bacteria. Well, no oncologist is asking you what's going on in your gut gut microbiome. Right. And so now we know, for example, like the microbiome is a great example of this disruption that's happening in healthcare. You know, the microbiome, which is your gut flora, it's really, it's like uh, 10 times as many cells as your own cells. It's 100 times as much DNA as your own DNA. So we're kind of lazy. We have about as much DNA as an earthworm. Okay. (laughs) But we borrow the DNA of the microbes, the microbes in our gut to do things for us. And we, 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 Borrow things from plants, do things from us, like like for mm. example, glucosinolates. And so the the microbiome is this huge thing that's got two to three million genes. We only have twenty thousand genes, and it regulates wow. your weight. You can swap out poop from a thin person into someone with diabetes and reverse it. Right? Wow! Amazing. We've seen we've seen people. I've heard stories of fecal transplants not only curing things like that, but like you know autoimmune diseases and. Really? Parkinson's and people with MS and like crazy stories that I'm starting to hear. In the, and there's re- research now going on aggressively in looking at fecal transplants for all sorts of diseases. It's transferring poop from one person to another. Yes. What is that? How do you do that? Well, <laughs> What's that process? Well, they collect the poop. There's actually a... a, a oh, I've never actually, heard of this. Yeah. You've never heard of this? Never heard of this. Oh, my God. This is huge. So, so the... Uh, what is it called? Fecal transplant. Okay. FMT, fecal microbial transplant. The way it came about was uh, some doctor had a bright idea that there was this condition called C. diff, which is a infection of the intestines that happens after antibiotics, is life-threatening, uh, and there's a huge amount of people who are now resistant to antibiotics because of all the antibiotics in our mm. feed and our, in the animal production. So there's the drugs don't work. People die. Wow. And it, And... Somebody thought, well, gee, if I put the poop from a healthy person into a sick person, let's see what happens. And the doctor did it, and the person was cured. Like, Shut that. up. 98% effective. 98% effective. So how do you do this? So, I'm going to this process. You want to get into it? <laughs> <laughs> Give me well, the 10 We can do the visuals. So, <laughs> yes. so basically, they take, like, they take a, a fecal trans, uh, transplant specimen, like a, a donor specimen from a healthy person. And they screen them for all sorts of diseases. And then they spin it up with some saline. And then they inject it in with a Straight catheter up. or a, a colonoscope. 
And then they actually also like, shit. It just heals inside, or what's it do? When it's, well, it goes in. It's like it's like massive probiotics, right? Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, and so it's like an infusion of infusion probiotics. Infusion of probiotics, and also there are actually pills now. They actually are making special encapsulated no. poop pills. <laughs> poop pills, and it's not. I mean, this is published in the New England Journal of Medicine. I'm not talking about like stuff that's oh wacky. I'm talking about serious medicine that people are doing. But it's not just for that. Now they're looking at it for all sorts of things. So and people are cured right after one infusion. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. So functional medicine is really understanding the the body as a system and network, and understanding that that that. The focus should not be on treating disease, but on creating health. So it's the science of creating health. It's the ultimate biohacking tool. You know, and it's interpreting all the data and the stories from your body that it tells through uh, testing. We do, for example, you don't have to do testing, but you can look into the body and look at your immune function and allergies and your gut flora and toxins and nutritional status. It's like doing a soil sample. So I'm like a soil farmer, mm. organic soil farmer, rather than an industrial agriculturist. I don't put all these chemicals on my plants to make them better, like herbicides and pesticides. I, I create a healthy soil, yeah. and then disease doesn't occur, right? You just Disease can't land in a healthy soil. Right. So that's exactly what functional medicine is. We, we, we help people get in balance. We take away the things that cause imbalance. We put in the things that help create balance. So, for example, I had a woman come. She had a whole list of problems. That's why I call myself a holistic doctor because I take care of people with a, a whole list, list of problems. <laughs> so she had like psoriatic arthritis, was on a drug that cost 30 grand. Oh, my gosh. Called Stelera. And still was miserable. She also was overweight, had prediabetes, migraines, sinus problems, irritable bowel, reflux, depression, insomnia. She had like this whole list of things. Of course, she saw all these specialists, the sinus doctor, the migraine doctor, right. the autoimmune doctor, the skin doctor, the depression doctor, the gut doctor. Like, and, you know, everybody's treating her with their best uh, practices. Drug. Their best drug probably. But, I mean, she's being seen at a top medical center. Yeah. Right? They're not doing bad medicine. They're doing standard of care. In fact, they're doing excellent standard of care. Right. But the standard of care is not the way we're going to fix these problems. It's outdated or it's not? It's not. It's totally outdated. Mm. So rather than uh, thinking about how all these were separate, I thought, how are these all connected? Interesting. Right? How are these all connected? And so there were connections. It was all inflammatory. And I said, well, why don't we put you on an anti-inflammatory low glycemic diet, the pegan diet, basically. Right. Took away anti allergens, and I and I cleaned out her gut because her gut was causing huge symptoms, bloating, and she had yeast reactions. She had like vaginal yeast oh. and anal yeast and itching and itchy ears and yeast everywhere. Flush from the yeast on her mouth and thrush. Oh. And so I gave her an antifungal. I gave her stuff to clear out the bad bugs in her gut. I put in good bugs. I put in enzymes. I put in things to heal and gut the gut lining. I gave her fish oil, vitamin D, just some basic stuff, probiotics. Yeah, but it's really eliminating eliminating the, the, the bad foods, eliminating and, the bad bugs in her gut, and putting putting in, in new bugs. And putting in nutrients to help her body heal, two months later she comes back completely symptom free. No way. No more arthritis. No more. No more two thirty thousand dollar drug. No more skin psoriasis. No migraines. No sinus problems. No irritable bowel. No reflux. No depression. No insomnia. And she lost twenty pounds. It was right? all from food. Totally. And what was food and her gut flora? Right. I focused on her gut flora. Why? Because sixty percent or fifty percent of the immune system is in the gut. Interesting. Yeah, why? Why is it in the gut? Why is it there? Because the, you're sticking pounds of food, of foreign material, every day in your body. You've got to fight it off in your gut. First, yeah, you right? and you've got, you know, you've got all the bed bugs in there and poop. Right. It's like it's like the danger zone, right? It's like you're you're like, right. and it's one cell away. Like you're one cell away from a sewer every minute. Really? Yeah, it's one cell between you and that mass of food and poop, right? So your immune system is like, if anything happens, like right there. Wow. So when people have autoimmune disease, it's often a gut issue. It's often wow. a gut issue. People didn't know this before, did they? No. No. So now, like, 
now all this is really coming to light. And functional medicine is the operating system to interpret the data. It's a new set of lenses to think about how to solve it. And it's mm-hmm. a system of treatment that helps people get back in balance. Gotcha. That's what's powerful. And then at Cleveland Clinic, you know, the CEO of Cleveland Clinic, Toby Cosgrove, I call him the Wayne Gritsky of healthcare. He goes where the puck's going to be, not where it is. Smart. Right? And he's basically came after me to go set up a center there. And I'm functional like, medicine center. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to Cleveland Clinic. It's like a, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go to a place where I'm going to have to bang my head against the wall, where it's traditional medicine, where they don't get this, where they're in the dark ages. I just. It's no, also known as one of the top hospitals in the world. Of course, world, but it's the right? top hospital in the old model. Yes. Right? So right. I'm like, but he know, he knows what's happening. He sees where it's going. He knows what's happening. He's like, we need this here. Wow. And so he's investing tons of money, millions and millions of dollars building this. We're building an 18,000 square foot facility. We started with a little space and we just outgrew it. We're hiring doctors. I have an wow. interview with the doctor right after this. And we're, we're basically growing. We're doing research in all sorts of conditions. We're changing medical school education. We're changing policy. We're doing community work. Amazing. So we're really, he's really putting us on the map in the traditional world. And, and what's he's going to go out of business if he doesn't start doing this. And, but what's amazing to me, you know, uh, Lewis, I thought when I got there, people would be, you know, skeptical, uh, negative, uh, make it difficult for me and my team there, but it's the opposite. Uh, and I, at last, they want to learn last week when I was there, I had two deans of medical schools, two chairs of depart, two chairs of institutes, which are like big deals and another doctor as patients. No way. Yeah, they're coming as patients. Because they're not being cured with the medicine. The executive team, the C-suite team, uh, is sending all their family members to come see us. Do you know Dr. Uh, Lisa Rankin, by any chance? Yeah. She, she's been on as well, and she talked about how she had all this medication she was yeah. treating herself, and yeah. then yeah. started saying, oh, let me just change the way I eat and yeah. my relationships and yeah. my emotional health. Exactly. It's all. And she's it's like, all, oh, I got off all the medicine. That's right. And then I stopped. Giving medicine to my patients, right. I started asking it's so them deeper powerful. questions. It's so powerful. So we're we're at this we're but we're at this fulcrum. It's not it's not, it's not just I'm like one lone doctor with a crazy idea. There's a whole movement yeah, going yeah. on here. Yeah. And we had dinner with James Maskell. He's helping move that movement forward. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Functional Medicine, where we train doctors all over the world in wow. this model, an operating system of how to actually do this in practice. So we are we are literally building an army of, of doctors that change healthcare and, mm. and it's pretty exciting and it's it's actually starting to really hit that hockey stick point where it's changing. Amazing. People want it. I mean, people are desperate for this model. So if someone is listening and they're on some type of medication or they're just feeling like constantly sick, you know, mm-hmm. something's mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. happening to them, what do you think is, because there's so much information online that it's so, scary. It's scary, right. You know, well, here's what I would say. stuff, just like looking yeah. up anything yeah. and Googling it and seeing all the nasty photos of, and just like, ah, oh, yeah, what right. is an approach that someone should take if they have some challenge that's constantly happening in their health? Should they first analyze the food they're intaking and mm-hmm. do like an analysis? Do you have like a process? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great question, Louis. So, you know, what I am is a doctor. And what I do is see patients in my office. That's my main job. Yes, I've written a dozen books. Yes, I do a lot of stuff, but that's my main job. Yeah. And and so I've learned over 30 years of doing this how to create sustainable, practical programs to help people get from sick to well Mm. very quickly. And what I've done, because not everybody can come see me, and there aren't that many of us out there yet. You have so many hours in a day. And there's (laughs) not that many functional medicine. So I've written books and programs to help people operationalize this in their own life. So eat yes. fat, get thin. And I look, I'm, you know, 
you know, I could say, you know, do my program, but I, I'm not, I don't really care what program you do as right. long as it's based on basic principles. And there are a lot of my colleagues who are writing great books about this. It's all, yes. it's all the same information yes. because it's all the same science. And if you're telling the truth, there's, only, there's and, only yeah. one story here, the truth, right? <laughs> and so the, the, this, this EFAC Get Thin is a great program that I put together to make people have you know, no friction. It's easy. Mm. It's very straightforward. It's, it's 21 pra- days, 21 right? days, practical, goof-proof. And it tells you what to eat. And when you get to the end of that, you'll see how you feel because right. most people in 21 days – will change their habits, but they'll also allow their body to reset. It's like putting your body back to its original factory settings, right? Mm. And then if something's left over, then you know, gee, maybe I need to go deeper. Like if you still don't feel great, maybe you have Lyme disease. Maybe you have heavy right. metal poisoning. Maybe your thyroid's not working. Maybe you have a parasite. Maybe, you know, like you could be eating the perfect diet but still feel bad. So Do but, the 21 days first. Yeah, but most 80% of the time, you're going to cure yeah, yourself. 80%, I mean, 80% of the time, this works for people, and then the 20% who have to get extra help, they need to come see somebody. And the body's pretty incredible in how it can heal itself very quickly once you change habits, right? Unbelievable. We, we did the survey of 1,000 people who did this. I mean, they lost weight, yes, and they lost inches, yes, and right. they, it was all that's all impressive. And their blood sugar dropped 20 points, and their blood pressure 10 points. But the thing that really matters to me is I have everybody fill out what I, what I call the FLC quiz. You know what that is? That's no. when you feel like crap. Okay. So it's a quiz. How do you – like? You know, do you have your bloating? Do you have asthma? Do you have headaches? Can you sleep? Like joint pain, muscle pain? What's your mood? Are you depressed? Like so, you fill this whole score and zero to four for every symptom, mm-hmm. and you get a score. They do one before and after, and uh, the before and after score there was a sixty nine percent reduction in all symptoms from all diseases. Whoa! Because you don't have to treat everything individually. If you put in the right information, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh-huh. the body knows what to do. Wow! Right. So the information in food is so powerful that if you figure out what to eat. You don't have to worry about how much. You don't have to count fat, grams, carbs, calories, nothing. I don't do that. I don't have time for that. Right, right, right. And I don't want to be on an app all day uh-huh. figuring it out. I just want to know how to get my body to naturally do what it's supposed to do. Sure. Right? If you're off by 100 calories a day, you're going to gain like 50 pounds in 30 years. Right? You can't, you can't do it by willpower. Mm-hmm. You have to use science. And the science of using fat and low glycemic food, like low sugar food, mm. Is is really powerful. It's magical. Right, right. I mean, I notice my own body. I'm like 56, and I notice young man. You're like fit, healthy, yeah. energetic. <laughs> no, well, I I can tell you, I I uh, was always been you know focused on health, but I was the doctor who was trained to eat low fat and to tell my patients to eat low fat, and I did that. And I also ate a lot of things that I thought were healthy, like right. pasta was a health food. Oh my god, pasta was a health I used food. To eat so much pasta. Yeah, health food, right? Low Being fat, exhausted health food. all the time. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I basically uh, changed that, and I started, you know, eating a lot less starch, mm-hmm. a lot less sugar, a lot more fat. And I noticed my body, like without any exercise, I'm like so lean, so fit. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I got a six pack, and I didn't work out. <laughs> it's like, and it, it's just stunning what happens uh-huh. when you're when you do. And my brain is clear. I have more yeah. energy. My mood's better. Yeah. I mean, you. I know. So you're drinking a like a bulletproof coffee. You know yeah. that it works. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I started doing testing uh, some different things at the beginning of this year in January, and uh, the first week I did no sugar. The second week, no sugar, no gluten. Yeah. Third week, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy. Uh, fourth week, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, m- no meat. That was last week. 
And I was just trying to see that's what, like, that's what like happened with pulling my body. a band aid off slowly. Yeah, you know, I should have just done it all. Just it's like... better to do it the other way. The way I, <laughs> I, I do it with my patients, you 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 do a, a detox. Basically, you get off everything at once. You, you feel bad for a couple of days, and then you see how you feel. You feel amazing, yeah. Because one of the rules of I should have talked to you before this. I don't know what I was thinking. And then you can add things back <laughs> one at a time and see what bothers you. Interesting. So, because the rule in functional medicine is, if you're standing on attack. Takes a lot of aspirin to make it feel better, right? So if you, if something's bothering you, you have to get rid of the cause. Uh-huh. But if you're standing on two tacks, taking one out doesn't make you fifty percent better. Very interesting. So if you're if you're allergic to dairy and gluten, but you just take out gluten, you're not going to feel better. Right. 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 So I did it the whole wrong way. Yeah. Oh well, it was an experiment. <laughs> but the thing what I was going to mention was I started doing uh, bulletproof in the morning. Yeah. And fasting until one thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And not eating after nine thirty or whatever it is at night. And I realized that I wasn't hungry no. in the morning no. when I would do the coffee. And I yeah. would only have like half a cup only. Yeah. And I would be fine until yeah. 1.30, well, 2 o'clock. MCT oil puts you in ketosis, which is medium-chain triglycerides. Mm-hmm. It's a super fuel. comes from coconut, which yeah. is in the coffee. It's what I recommend as part of my Eat Fat Get Thin program. speeds up your metabolism. Mm-hmm. Even so you're eating, burning fat. Yeah. It actually makes your yeah, metabolism work faster and burn more calories. Wow. And it also affects your brain. So your brain is more alert clear. and focused and clear. So I wrote most of Eat Fat Get Thin on... You know, MC2L and coffee in the morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And why did you get – I want to ask you a few more questions. Why did you get into medicine in the first place? What what inspired you 30 great plus years ago yeah. or whenever this yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, actually majored in Buddhism at Cornell. Wow. So I did not even think remotely about medicine or science. In fact, I only took science classes because they were required for my <laughs> degree wow. at Cornell. But I, I didn't even do that well in them. I got a C in biology and I think a C in chemistry. I think I might have got a C plus in biology. And it, but they were it was like the pre med courses that everybody like <laughs> you know jumps off the bridge for. Sure. And I and I didn't take that seriously. So then I just wanted I got my degree in Buddhism. But when I studied Buddhism, I I, I found that it was actually a healing system. It was a therapeutic system for the mind. Mm. And in fact, it was it was a way of looking at our perceptions, our beliefs, our attitudes, our thinking, in such a way that freed us from suffering. Right. And it was powerful. And it also had a tradition of healing. That all the doctors in the Buddhist tradition were monks. Mm. So I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I <laughs> and then I kind of you know got this this idea in my head. I was a young idealistic kid, and I had this concept of a bodhisattva, which is this this being who kind of betters himself. But rather than, you know, going to be living in a cave and being by themselves and having a happy life, they come back in the service of others, to help others, mm-hmm. also to right. reach enlightenment. Right. Okay. So I kind of always had that in my, my head. And I just, I, I always felt better when I was of service. Sure. You know, so when Most I, people feel better when they're in service. Yeah. Right? You know, it's interesting, uh, Lewis, when we look at the science of this, altruism stimulates the same area in the brain as cocaine or sugar That's or heroin. Crazy. Right? So I get high from... Helping, helping people. people. I think uh, Stephen Kotler talks about that yeah. in his book, Flow, or about flow. It's so true. When people get into flow, um, you know, and when they're in service, you become in flow, and that triggers the same yeah, type of chemicals, it, right? Absolutely. You get out of your head. It's like, crazy. I went to Haiti after the earthquake and uh-huh. was, you know, up to my elbows and pus and amputations and blood and uh-huh. disaster. And just, it was like the worst scene you could imagine. But, like, I didn't think of myself for one second. Right. Right. Just in service. I was just in service, and I felt. Good, like I felt, yeah. and, and I'm like, you know, just grateful and happy. Not happy, like because I was there, I was a miserable place that that was happening with the earthquake. But I, but I actually had this sense of inner peace and inner happiness, and yeah. like your life, gratitude, gratitude, moment, yeah. and service, and yeah. you know, I, I think that's really um, 
in the way it's a little selfish. <laughs> sure, sure. No, so, giving is like the most yeah. selfish gift you can receive. It's like yeah. the best gift you can yeah. give. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of how I got. And then I realized, gee, maybe I should practice medicine because it's, it's all it's about healing. And sure. And I sort of said, well, I'll try it. And I was a yoga teacher before I was a doctor. Wow. And back uh, before yoga was cool. Yeah, that was like in 1979. Wow. Uh, yeah, took my first yoga class, and uh, amazing. <laughs> I just went to yoga before I came here, so it's uh, been so going cool. on a long time. Holy cow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, couple final questions, and I want to make sure everyone gets this book: Eat Fat, Get Thin. Why the fat we eat is, or why the fat we eat is the key to sustained weight loss and vibrant health. Essentially, what everything we've said growing up was is the opposite. Yeah, we were told sorry guys, up. we kind of yes, blew it. <laughs> but eat fat, get thin, twenty-one day process for discovering, you know, and healing yourself essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not just for weight loss. It's yes. actually for anybody who wants to reset their system. Interesting. And gain back control yes. of their body, and, yeah. and you know, so you you actually naturally want the things that make you feel good. That you mm-hmm. you don't crave the bad things. That it's not it's not difficult. I mean. You can't use willpower. It doesn't work. You have to use science, right? And I like so it. it's so great. I like it. I got three questions for you. One is if you had an unlimited amount of money that you could spend on one thing to, to cure one thing in the world, what would that be? One disease or one? One thing in the world that you think uh, needs curing um, or solving one issue. Oof, gosh. I mean, I had so many things flooded into me when you said <laughs> that. I mean, I think um, – you know, the thing that I think is driving so many of our economic and social ills is our food system. And and if I had a magic wand, mm-hmm. I would put in a – and I, I'm working actually on a petition right now. That I've got 150,000 people on our fat summit, which is an online right. summit on – and we're going to ex- interview over 30 experts on fat. And it's available. Anybody can go to fatsummit.com and get to see this. Yeah. And, and, you know – to kind of list what are the policies that would really radically change things, not just in America, but around the world, if we became the the, the beacon for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met with the Surgeon General a couple of days ago, and he asked me to come to Washington to help change and shape this policy. So the things that matter are, you know, ending food subsidy, ending agricultural subsidies for commodity products like corn, yeah. soy, and wheat that go into all our processed industrial food, subsidizing fruits and vegetables and things that actually promote health, yeah. ending food marketing to kids. Right, we 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 market junk food to kids. I think we're one of only fifty pop. countries that 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 uh, that we are one one of the only countries that doesn't do this. Fifty countries control food marketing to kids. Really regulated? Yeah, they us don't. in Syria, no, are the only ones. I think. Oh my gosh! I would uh, end all use of antibiotics in animal feed, except except in animal husbandry, except for treatment of disease. Mm. Full stop. I would have clear food labeling so that people know what they're eating. Is it good for you? Uh, green? Is it? Maybe uh, you know a little tricky. We'll mm. eat with caution. Yellow. Is it bad for you? It might kill you. Red. Like wow. st- stop. Simple. Like thing. when you have cigarettes now, there's I, this will cause cancer. I would, this I will would, kill you. I would. And this is controversial, but I would I would put a tax on junk food and soda, which has been proven to work and reduce consumption. This was just done in Mexico. It was super effective. Done in Berkeley, first place in America. Very effective. Interesting. It's like cigarettes. Yeah. Tax cigarettes. You know, if, if a Coke was actually ten dollars, I would actually make things cost what they really cost. The only reason that McDonald's meal is so cheap is because the government pays for it and subsidizes it. Really. I met with the vice chair of Pepsi. He said, "Why are you using high fructose corn syrup in your soda?" He says, "Because Mark, the government makes it so cheap for us by subsidizing agriculture and the growing of corn to turn into high fructose corn syrup. That's why we're using it." It's good wow. business. I wouldn't use it if the government didn't make it so cheap. So I would end subsidies. Oh my God. I would. I would end any 
food that wasn't promoting health in any federally funded program. Food stamps. You can buy $4 billion now of food stamps are spent on soda for the poor. $4 billion. Oh. It's the biggest single amount of uh, item that's Pop. bought. Yeah, yeah. soda. Yeah. You wow. can buy a four, a two-liter bottle of soda, but you can't buy a rotisserie chicken. You can't, you can't buy uh, with food stamps online because of some stupid regulation. We're trying to change that. Wow. So I, I, would, I would implement a whole series of policies like this. I would also um, make sure that we, we uh, really promote uh, science and, and, and nutrition in school so kids know very early on what's going on. There should be no yeah. food that doesn't promote health in schools. We know that, they, that there's clear evidence that kids who are fed poor foods, and I'm not talking about like school lunches that are, quote, healthy, right? I mean, pizza, is, a, pizza is considered a, a vegetable. Pizza, right? yeah. Pizza is a vegetable. <laughs> According to Congress, pizza is a vegetable. Oh, my gosh. That's all I ate every day. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, you know, we, we need we need just clear policies that we could change all this in America. And I think yeah. people are ready for it. People want it. People know the issue is here. Uh, we need to end uh, uh, in the kinds of industrial agriculture we're doing that are actually promoting degradation of the environment. And, and we need to label GMOs because the centralization of seed production has caused huge problems. Glyphosate is now Roundup is, is used uh, on soybeans. Ninety-eight percent of soybeans are Monsanto soybeans. Ninety-eight mm-hmm. percent. So I think it's something like ninety-eight percent of world. So the centralization of seed production, and then it's made you know, even if you debate GMOs are good or bad, they're using all this pesticides and herbicides. Yeah. Because of these, that are actually now getting into the water. Now we know that glyphosate now, according to the World Health Organization and the International Board of Scientists, is a cancer-causing agent. Which is, and I actually I'm excited because I'm gonna in my practice I'm gonna start doing glyphosate testing okay. for like see people because people don't know what they're consuming, so I, I would do a series of things that would really if I had all the money in the world to really change sure. this. Wow. Michael Broom, Bloomberg, you know, he sort of tried to do this. He had all the money in the world, and and he made huge policy changes in New York. He got rid of trans fats. He changed all kinds of uh, food laws. He actually started to, to try to regulate soda, but the food industry came down so hard on him. So much money they yeah. had to, yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. That would solve a lot of problems if yeah. you and it, it change would, these things. It, yeah. would, it, would, it would help uh, our environment. It would help our economy because you know, Medicaid and Medicare mm-hmm. are going to consume 100% of our federal budget in about 20 years. Oh, man. Right? Because of the obesity and diabetes. One, one in three people is going to be diabetic by 2050. That's bad. Right? Right, one in three. Unless we change something. Yeah, right. It's right, right. right. Unless we change something, so we have to solve this. It's an economic issue. Mm. It's a national security issue because kids are too fat to fight. It's a global competitiveness issue because wow. there's an achievement gap because we're like 25th and 28th, I think, in math and reading in the world because our kids are we're not clear. We're not focused. No, we can't. No, and the, and this is well documented. It's a guy named. Mm. Uh, Dr. Bosch at uh, Columbia, who's done a lot of the studies on this achievement sure, gap. Sure. So the evidence is there across the board: environment, health, wow. the economy, uh, you know, competitiveness, national security. These are these are Everything. big issues. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it all stems from the food system. Incredible, incredible. Um, two final questions. One is something I ask everyone at the end of this this podcast, every episode, is if. Many years down the road, it's your final year. Mm-hmm. It's your final day. It's a very happy, healthy, joyful experience. You've got your whole friends and family there. And your 50 New York Times bestselling books at that time uh, yeah. are all erased yeah, and erased. deleted and yeah. burned for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's yeah. just all gone. All the videos mm. you've done online, which people should go watch, they're amazing <laughs> videos. Uh, what do you call it? Office or what do you call it? House uh, call with House Dr. calls, yes. Yeah, house call with Make Dr. sure to Hyman, check these yeah. out. And we'll link up your YouTube and everything there on the show notes here in a second. Everything's gone. All the information you put up there, all your hard work is gone. It's gone, yeah, yeah. And you have a piece of paper in front of you, and your family and friends say, will you write down 
three things that you know to be true about your experience, your life, that you would want to pass on to the rest of us. And this would be the only three truths that's that good. we that's get good. to that's good. remember you by. From all your books, how do you boil yeah, it down yeah, yeah. to three yeah, yeah. simple that's things? That's good. I love that. So I think uh, it wouldn't be hard. Okay. It wouldn't be hard. Um, and it really has nothing to do with medicine, mm. actually. It has to do with love. Mm. You know, if, if, if I would say the most important thing is, is how we are in the world, how we show up. Mm. And if we bring joy and love and connection and laughter to those we meet and those in our lives, our family, our friends, those we're connected to, the people we work with, every day is a chance to show up and bring that. Mm-hmm. And and the more you do that, the more it comes back. And it's just like a this this process, it sounds kind of crazy, but it's just a very simple idea. It's an ancient idea. It's not my idea, but it's it's all about how do we how do we and then how the question is how do you get into that state where you can do that? Right. Well then you have to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. Part of it is is taking care of your container. Yeah. Right? Because if you feel like crap, you're not gonna want to do that. Right? right? You're gonna want to watch TV, <laughs> you're gonna want to like drink, you're gonna want to like eat too much, right? Right. But if you take care of the container, then you know, you just basically will will thrive. So mm-hmm. that that would be probably number one, two, and three on my list. Okay. Show up, you know, be present, tell the truth, love, you know. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. I love it. Awesome. Uh, the final question before I ask it, is there anywhere else we want to make sure we send people drhyman.com? Drhyman.com is uh, a good spot. Get the book. We'll have it all linked up here in a second. I'll tell you guys where to go, but get the book, Eat Fat, Get Thin. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of videos, resources. Yeah, they can get a, a free sneak preview if they go to the website, Eat Fat, Get Thin. They can get a free sneak cool. preview. Check it out. There's okay. tons of great videos, content, and yeah, support. Yeah. I highly recommend your site as a great resource for just learning and understanding how to be healthier and live better. Thank so, you. Thank you. Um, so we'll check it all, check all this out. Make sure to buy the book. I highly recommend it. Um, before I ask the final question, mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge you for a moment. I like to acknowledge all my guests for what opens up for me from the interview. And I want to acknowledge you, Mark, for your incredible commitment to healing the world. Yeah. And there's so much, lack of information. There's so much ignorance that myself and so many people have experienced growing up thinking we're supposed to live a certain way that's actually been killing us slowly every day. And it's people like you who are committed to greatness and excellence in and curing this and doing the research, doing the work that no one wants to do and the research that no one wants to do to put together useful information to guide us to living a healthier life. So I want to acknowledge you, you for your you. incredible That's sweet. That's very sweet. commitment you. to service for humanity. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And the final question is what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is uh, someone who fully shows up, mm. is fully present in their life, is able to tell the truth with love and, and be in a state of loving and giving and presence. Okay, Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. There you have it, greats. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And for me, I got a lot out of it. Again, there's always experts and different opinions on health and fitness and all these different things that we talk about. But for me, Dr. Mark Hyman is one of the most credible people. He's been doing it for the longest. He's got the Cleveland Clinic who comes to him and says, hey, implement the stuff you are teaching to the world in our clinic. And that clinic is one of the best in the world at what they do. So for me, his information is great. I hope you guys check out his book. Again, you can get the full show notes and watch the full interview on my YouTube channel. 
but the link is back at lewishouse.com slash 293. And if you haven't yet subscribed to me on YouTube, make sure to do that. We are posting videos two, three times a week now. Lots of great video interviews, uh, motivational videos, inspirational videos, and things like that. So make sure to go to YouTube slash Lewis Howes. Click the subscribe button. Share some of the videos with your friends there as well. I am so pumped, guys. We have just begun this year, and we've got so many great guests. We've got so many more great guests coming up each and every week. I am super pumped. We've got my friend Joe Polish on the next episode who is going to talk a lot about how to expand and grow your business. So one of the best marketers in the world and one of the most connected marketers in the world that I've met. So stay tuned for that one. And... You guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.